Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets, red hot as uh, we do this show, and they get ready to go on the road for the next two. They'll be in Florida tomorrow night and be taking on the Carolina Hurricanes on Friday. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley with you. And Jody, last night, an impressive overtime victory for the Blue Jackets, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs 4-3. to three. And the Blue Jackets went on a road trip where they won four out of five. Now they come home and they win two in a row. So they've won six of their last seven as they hit the road here. But, you know, to me, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, to me, it's not just winning the games. It's the way that they have won games. They've been tested in different ways. They've adjusted to that. And they found a way to get two points every night they play. Yeah, you know what? It's been so impressive to watch the way that they've battled back. Never been out of a game. Um, you know, they understand that it's a full, you got to, you know, you go right to the end. Uh, their goaltenders have done a nice job of giving them a chance to win. They're getting depth scoring, which a lot of teams that are struggling aren't getting depth scoring. Um, but they're in sync right now. And, you know, to watch the leaders battle and grind and push and kind of lead the way and show that there's fight every shift, whether it's Rensky in the battle uh, taking a hit, a big hit yesterday from Simmons, and then getting right back into the game with more fire. Uh, Patrick Line, I know he's scoring, but there's more to his game. There's, there's, there's an energy and there's a buy-in from everyone. And when you see that from Patrick, you know, that winning way is there for this team. And they're hard to play against. That third period, there was not a lot of ice. And, and, you know, you can talk about crowding the big boys and Marner and Matthews, but they, they did it to everybody. And it wasn't, uh, you know, I thought Engvall was a handful at times. He's a big forward for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But when it came right down to it, uh, Peak, Gavrikov, you can go right through the lineup. The fourth line didn't get many shifts to start the third period. The one they got to start, their very first one, Gaunce gets that goal on a beautiful play at the blue line where he steps around Lavushkin and, there's little plays within the game all throughout the night. And, you know, not every shift is perfect, but when you get a boost and moments in key moments, especially at home, when you can grab that crowd back, uh, it's so impressive. And you know what, those games on the road. Yeah. You can say they, they won the games they were supposed to win. Even Washington, Washington's out of sync. They're, they're, they're they look slow. And when they play a team that looks organized and bought in, uh, you, you know, especially this time of year, you're now in the second half of the season. They've played 50 games. Brad Larson understands what he has with each individual, him and his coaching staff. I mean, you got a Steve McCarthy, Pascal Vincent. These guys know what they're working with and where they can push and what they can use guys for. And this is a hot streak with players doing some great things individually, but as a team, it's very impressive. And, and you got to feel good for JF Berube, the goalie who's, now won his last two NHL starts. It's been over four years since he's, or just under four years since he's been back in the NHL. And here he is with a couple great performances. And, you know, you need these kind of boosts during the season. And if you think of a couple of years back, you know, Gerby comes up and he provides a spark this time of the year. Uh, and Torch used to talk about the dog days. Well, there's an energy here. I don't feel a dog day around. Do you? No, I, I don't <laughs> feel it whatsoever. No, I do I not. Mean, when you drag the Toronto Maple Leafs in who have lost two and the narrative is set that, oh, they're going to come, Blue Jackets didn't flinch. I thought it was uh, – and what a crowd and what a way to win in overtime. If you're going to draw it up, you draw it up exactly that way because, I mean, 
you just leave there with the biggest smile on your face. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, I think if you're a Leafs fan, you're respecting the way they played. And, and uh, you know, the Leafs got beat last night in a lot of areas. And if you're the team that did it in the Blue Jackets, you got to feel really good about yourself. Yeah, no question about that. You mentioned Jean-Francois Barube, the Blue Jackets goaltender. He's going to join us here in a couple of minutes. We'll talk about uh, his journey here and the job that he's been doing here with him. But another thing you mentioned was you talk about the leaders. And, and when you were talking about it and I was thinking about it, you know, the funny thing about this leadership group is and you look at all the guys that have letters on their jerseys, uh, Boone Jenner, Zach Waransky, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Gus Nyquist. For the most part, when it comes to speaking, all of these guys are quiet guys. I mean, they don't, they're not rah-rah guys. They're not going to, you know, very seldom I would imagine they're going to jump up in the middle of the dressing room and give some game-altering speech. That's not what they do. What they do is they go out and they outwork you. They grind you. They continue to play their game for 60 minutes. And um, that really, if you look at the body of work of the entire team right now, they are following that example of the leadership, aren't they? Absolutely there. It's, it's, and it's not the play up the ice that's a tic-tac play. It's, it's, you know, the leadership of Nyquist to kill a cycle on the wall and come out of the pack with the puck and then make a quick hard pass and then get it back and then get it in the zone. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I have to focus on when I'm out there. Or Boone Jenner uh, intercepting a pass and making a hard play or taking a shot at the net and going in and stopping in the blue paint. Those are little things you can ask of players and, you know, they can forget about or focus on something different. But with the leadership group, you have drivers and these drivers, it's every shift. It's every moment. It's every battle. It doesn't matter where the game's at. I mean, I go back to that look on Boone Jenner's face the last time we were in Florida when he scored a goal when the game was well out of hand. I mean, he couldn't wait to get to the bench. He couldn't wait to sit down. He couldn't wait to, you know, it was just, he looked so upset at what was happening, but his attitude and his determination is still there in the game. And, and those are intangibles and, and things you notice as a teammate that, you know what, what are we going to do here? And, and I've been next to that bench in, in, in moments in, in, in this year and years past where, there's a little bit of a blank stare where you're wondering, okay, who, what do we do? Who are we following? How is this going to go? What do we say? Um, very few this year. Uh, mostly you just look at those three guys and, and Nyquist now has come on to be such a reliable guy. Um, you know, and, and you look at, you look at Zach Wierenski, he was an a reliable guy. He understands the battle. And now Patrick Line has been drugged into the fight. You see him battling, getting emotional, using his size to get uh, pucks away from players. It's not a 50-50 battle that you hope he wins. You can see that he's determined to give everything he can to win it. So those details in these important games or these games that are seem to be bigger from our standpoint, uh, it's, it's, it's such a big deal to see these things right now and to get results while doing them. You talked about how the Blue Jackets didn't give the Maple Leafs a lot of space in the third period of that game which the funny thing about that is there were so many times in that game, the way that the Maple Leafs were forechecking, they just took it all away from the Blue Jackets. They had them pinned against boards, the boards there. They, they couldn't make a pass. They couldn't get out of their zone. It was like every time they moved, there was not one, but there were two white jerseys on a guy. And then all of a sudden it kind of changed. How did it change? 
Well, it's interesting because if you look at the first couple power plays for the Blue Jackets, they got out hustled in battles. They got out played in battles. And when you look at those situations, you wonder, you know, the penalty kill of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, just like the Blue Jackets, have a very firm identity. And, and they understand that the hard work and those attention to details of what's asked of you on the penalty kill, they're automatic reads. And you have to be full speed into the battle to make sure you cut off plays on bouncing pucks or players that are with their back to you. And I thought that mentality for the Blue Jackets carried over to the third period. I think seeing Andrew Peake block some of those big shots on the penalty kill with Austin Matthews, um, I think Boone Jenner, uh, Cole Sillinger, the way those guys got out there, even Roslovic, the way he was bought in, I thought that showed a level to everyone else to say, hey, this is how we have to play. And sometimes a penalty kill can create that momentum, that simplicity of the game where it's like, hey, you know, Let's have a, a, a shift focused on that mentality of being determined on pucks, being first into, into uh, battles, making sure we're there to support first in battles. I don't know what exactly changed, but I think that uh, you look at the way they ended the second period and the way they started with Boquist getting that goal and grabbing momentum. I think by that time, by that time they had formulated a plan to be tight and they understand the patient game now, Bob. They really do. I mean, I know they've put up a lot of goals in the last little bit, but, you know, they've lost games late due to turnovers. They've won games late due to patience. And the 2-1 Montreal game, and okay, Montreal, they're, they're, they're a team that's at the bottom of the league, but you score early. You don't score again until the last minute of the game or last few seconds of the game to get the win. That builds uh, a little bit of momentum with you. And, and here we are 50 games in. I think that the encyclopedia that they've built up uh, with each other, with the team concept and through the coaching staff, I think that third period, and, and Brad Larson said there was a message to say, okay, we have to play better. We have to play tighter. Uh, I think it comes from that penalty kill mentality that they got through. It's a big deal to kill penalties against the number one power play in the league. And the Blue Jackets did that last night. And, and that's a feather in your cap going into the third period. I want to ask you about the Adam Boquist goal. It is perhaps the most surprised gold call I've ever had in my life. I see him coming up the ice. He goes in over the blue line. He's got three guys around him. He's in the middle of a triangle for crying out loud. And, you know, I've seen Patrick Laine do that so many times and all of a sudden the puck is stripped and it's gone. You know, it's just, it's a fact of life. You're outnumbered for crying out loud. And when he shot that puck and it wound up in the back of the net, I'm just wondering if you were as surprised as I was. Of course, I was I was still talking or trying to talk uh, to Jeff there. And, and, you know, the play was just coming up the ice. It looked like a dead area. And, you know, Toronto was expecting the cutback play where, you, you know, we've seen it. What is it? 99 out of 100 times that puck goes back to the speed behind you. And that player in Voracek or wherever it is on that unit comes up with speed and picks his way through standing players that are standing still at the line. It's a great way to gain the zone. But as Boquist got to that line, he he identified that the defenseman was already way back. He was at the top of the circles or deeper, expecting a dump at that at that uh, at that juncture where Boquist was going to set the puck on the corner and go get it. Instead, he uses the defenseman for a screen, pulls the puck in, and then shifts it back out to the area the puck was just in. It fooled the defenseman. It fooled Campbell, and I think shocked everyone in the building. Yeah, that that was that was a, an anomaly, if you will for the way that's set up. And, and, you know, you look at power plays and 
you have to be a threat somewhere, right? You have to change it up sometimes. And Jake Borchek being a shooter opens up Patrick Laine a little more. Uh, not going to the cutback, which they expect, and changing it up. Hey, he gets rewarded, and Brube gets an assist. There's a lot, a lot of great things that happen in that that quick quick sequence. An absolutely huge win for the Blue Jackets last night. And coming up next, we're going to talk to the man that got the win in goal. Jean-Francois Berube will be our guest as the Inside Edge continues on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets are red hot right now. They've won six of their last seven. And in the last two games, the man that has been manning the pipes to get wins against Buffalo and Toronto is Jean-Francois Berube, and he joins us right now. JF, first of all, congratulations. And, man, what a difference two life or two weeks can make in a lifetime, right? I mean, you were in Cleveland playing for the Monsters. All of a sudden, here you are and getting a couple of big wins against Buffalo and Toronto for the Blue Jackets. What's this been like? Has it been uh, kind of a whirlwind the last few weeks? Yeah, uh, things obviously happen pretty quick here. Um, but at the same time, I've just been going one day at a time and trying to uh, let everything sink in every day and kind of reset for the next day and, uh, you know, just uh, start the data on the right foot again. All said like a true goaltender right there, right? Just like every shot, just reset, get square to the next shot, the whole deal, right? Uh, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. Um, you know, you were with this organization a couple of years ago, and now you come back. You came into training camp uh, looking for the opportunity to win a job. You went out there, you grabbed it, you won it. Um, what's it been like for you being back this time and, you know, being back in Cleveland, being around some of the prospect guys, but now getting a chance to come up here and, and play with the big boys this time around? Uh, yeah, I think everything kind of happened pretty quick again in uh, right around training camp about a week or so before camp started. I got uh, a call from Columbus and uh, they were interested in inviting me on a PTO and I had a couple other PTOs, but I think Columbus uh, was just the right fit for me. I knew uh, Manny Legacy and uh, Brad Thiessen down in Cleveland, the two goalie coaches that I, I've always had a good relationship with even after I left Columbus. So um, for me, it was just an easier decision to, uh, you know, just know what I was getting myself into. And at the same time, they knew what they were uh, having in me. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty uh, fortunate to be back here and uh, I'm very thankful for the, uh, the opportunity they're giving me here. And you're a guy that's been around the block when it comes to being with different organizations, NHL, American Hockey League. So even coming into the organization, you knew flat out. Elvis Berzlikens and Jonas Corposalo were going to be in the NHL. And then Daniil Tarasov, who's a big prospect guy, was going to be in Cleveland. So you knew coming in, uh, you know, exactly what your role was going to be. When you looked at that situation, I mean, when you signed that deal, uh, did you ever even think that, hey, come February, I'm going to be starting in the National Hockey League? Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, if I didn't think I was going to play another NHL game, I'd probably not be playing anymore. So uh, it's always in the back of my head, and that's what motivates me to push myself. But at the same time, when I came here, I knew, uh, you know, like you said, the depth they had at goaltending. And uh, they told me that my role would be to uh, be kind of a big brother down in Cleveland for uh, Danny and kind of guide him through uh, what it's like to be a professional and what it's like to play in the American League and gain that experience. And I really cherish that, uh, that opportunity and that role because um, you know, I think for me, it was always valuable as a young kid to have someone to look up to. And, you know, whenever I had questions or whatever it was, there was always someone right next to me that I could ask those questions. So 
Um, I think, you know, you, you can't, um, it's very valuable to have, you know, experienced guys in the American league that can guide those, uh, young prospects. And, uh, when they told me that I was up for the challenge and I've, I've really been appreciating uh, that role that I'm in. When you were in the Islanders organization, you had Thomas Grice there with you. And I don't know how much time you spent around him, but I played with Thomas in San Jose and he was a guy that was on the edge of the NHL. I, it seemed for me for a while. Did you learn from him? Like he now is a starting goalie, but he really had to wait and earn it, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, uh, you really uh, nailed it. Um, uh, you know, he, he paid his dues in the American league and um, what I've learned from him, I'm sure, you know, his demeanor, you know, he's so yeah. laid back and yeah. nothing really seems to bother him. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're a young kid and you come in, you, you want to almost do too much, but Thomas was uh, all the complete opposite. <laughs> you know, he, I don't know if he would go down at all sometimes in practices and, but at the same time, like he, he was reading shots so well, he was still making saves. So um, I think it was great for, for me to have him. And, you know, I was the third goalie with the Islanders. So I was kind of in a weird role, but at the same time, I got to observe how he uh, handled himself and, you know, same thing with Halak there. Uh, I think they were both very beneficial for, uh, for my, my career. JF, you brought up goaltending coaches and us as players and outside observers and, and now team player, people that follow the team, we don't understand the dynamic, but can you explain to us the role that Manny Legacy and other goaltenders co coaches play? Because I sense a comfort level from the time I saw you get called up first and be the third goalie here to now. Boy, am I wrong in saying you've really grown in, in, in that short time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, like there's just every goalie coaches has their, you know, kind of a mold of the type of goaltenders they want. And I, I just feel like I, I fit in with what they're looking for into a goalie. And uh, it's always easier when you're on the same page. And, you know, I, I'm someone who likes to learn and, you know, who else, uh, who better than to learn from Manny Legacy, you know, it's, uh, he had a pretty great career and, you know, I'm, my ears are wide open when he talks and um, yeah, I mean, he's probably, you know, like your goalie coach is the guy you rely on and there's really no boundaries. You can ask, you know, anything, any type of questions and, you know, he's more, uh, you know, a friend than a goalie coach in the first place. He's, you know, making me feel comfortable and uh, he's someone that I can always pick up the phone and call if, you know, I just want to, talk about anything in life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have guys like that. How about you personally, when you look back early in your career, are you in a different spot mentally as far as having those ears open and being ready to learn and, and adjust and do whatever you have to do now differently than you, than you did when you first got in the league or turned pro? Yeah. I mean, obviously this is my 11th year. So, you know, I, I feel a bit more comfortable, comfortable here. Uh, in the NHL, uh, just, I've been so fortunate to be around such great uh, teams. You know, when I was with the LA Kings organization, I think being able to be around the guys and winning the cup uh, in the American league and then the previous year uh, being around as a black case and being able to uh, really experience what it's like to uh, win 
just a playoff round in the NHL. It's guys go through so much and you just see like teams who win or teams that are tight. And that's what I've learned. And that's what I've always tried to uh, bring in teams that I've been on in the, in the past is, you know, if you want to win, you have to be tight and you want to have your teammates have your back and you have your teammates back. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, at the same time, I'm, well, I'm 30 years old now, and I, I feel like I still have a lot to learn. And again, I'm, I'm a learner, and I, that's what I like to do. I, I always try to find things that I can improve uh, my game. And um, I have a really great support group, again, with Manny here and uh, Brad Thiessen in Cleveland. I think they, they really uh, are uh, polishing my game and um, bringing me uh, to the level I need to play to be successful. Talking with J.F. Barube, Blue Jackets goaltender. He's gotten the last two wins for the Blue Jackets here. And, you know, J.F., when you're talking about that, that experience that you gained when you were with the Kings and as you've gone around and you've been around championship organizations and, and, and championship players, like you're kind of that guy now. And what I mean is that you're with a group that is predominantly a young group. You've got a lot of experience. And, um, you know, the, the way you carry yourself – makes a difference but what do you see with this group that's playing in front of you I mean right now I guess you're seeing some great things because there's so much confidence in that room isn't there yeah absolutely obviously uh things are pretty when you win but uh you know I was here uh earlier this year when you know we had ups and downs and I was able to see how guys were carrying themselves and it's no different you know and that's what's great about this group. You have great leaders and people that step up in different ways. And that's where you need to have a winning team. And, you know, it's no surprise they're, uh, we're doing so good right now. And, um, but again, that's, you know, it doesn't matter what happened the last couple of games. Now it's about the next game. And uh, that's just the mentality I have. And I'm sure a lot of the guys have too in the locker room. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, great challenge this weekend and for the rest of the year you know teams at this time of the year they they don't lose much and teams who make it are teams who win so we have to uh you know just do the same thing we're doing we're talking with Blue Jackets goaltender Jean-Francois Barube and our conversation will continue after this you're listening to the Inside Edge on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. I'm Bob McElligan with Jody Shelley. And right now we're talking with Blue Jackets goaltender Jean-Francois Barube. Tell you what, one thing that is very evident when uh, your teammates talk after games, in the last two games specifically, they want to play well for you. They, they're fans of yours. They are rooting for you. And they have... They have the ability to affect what happens to you. Uh, they can block the extra shot. They can, uh, you know, they do a lot of things. They, they can clear a guy out of the way so that you can see a shot coming uh, a little bit more. And and that says a lot. I mean, there is <clears> – <throat> Jody asked you about the relationship between the goaltending coach and the goaltenders. But what about the relationship between the goaltender and the rest of the team? Because here's the honest part about it. There's two guys, sometimes three, that do the same job there. And you're different from everybody else. I, I mean – Nobody understands you guys for crying out loud, right? I mean, you, you have your own way of doing things, the way things happen, and but then you have to have that relationship with the rest of the team. And, and I'll tell you what, and I know you know this, but when when they want to play for you, um, it, it does make your job a lot easier. And uh, it's not a guaranteed win, but uh, you know for a fact that they're going to give everything. And that's a sense I get from these guys. They've been trying to give everything uh, for the team, but also for you the last two games. 
Yeah, but you know, again, I think that's just the mentality they have for everyone in the locker room. I think everyone wants to win for uh, the guy next to them. So, uh, but obviously, it's great to hear, and you know, I think that come that um, um, that attitude is earned. I think you know, every game I have to earn that confidence uh, that the players have in me, and. Uh, it's always good to see guys lay their body for in front of shots. And uh, there's so many times I, I remember that, you know, probably would have been a goal and guys are laying their body in front of it. And uh, it's amazing to see as a goalie to see guys doing that in front of you is a huge confidence boost. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate that, uh, that feeling that we have right now. And they, that earning of that respect, Actually, it comes before the game, doesn't it? It comes in practice because, you know, as Boone Jenner said the other night, he said, when JF has been here, he's worked hard. He's always smiling. He's, he's out there doing what has to be done. So when you're earning their trust, it's before you ever get put into a game. It's from the minute that really you step onto the ice here, whether it's practice or a game. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to smile when you're in the NHL. So, uh, no, I mean, I'm someone who, uh, you know, I think have a pretty easy smile. Uh, good days or bad days, I try to put that smile on. And, you know, even though sometimes I don't feel it inside, I think it uh, it motivates me to, you know, feel good. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's just part of me, I guess, to uh, have that smile on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I... I just try to work hard and, you know, that's, uh, I feel like that's something that's not negotiable as a goaltender, especially is you always have to work hard. And I've always been a strong believer that, you know, you should never be, uh, um, how do you say that? You should never feel like, um, be praised for working hard. Cause I think that's just not negotiable, especially in the NHL. I think if you take a day off, then, uh, you know, you find your way back in the American league pretty quick. So, uh, you know, for me, it's, uh, it's been part of my success is, you know, working hard and making sure I take it uh, one shot at a time and one day at a time. And, uh, you know, it's uh, every day is the new day. Hey, Jody, that's some good life lesson for me, right? Don't be a sourpuss, put a smile on every day. Yeah. And, and it's easy to smile in the NHL, Bob. Don't forget that. And it's a good reminder for all of us, JF. We're catching up with goaltender for the Blue Jackets, J.F. Barube. And you grew up in Montreal. Any influence on you being a goaltender growing up in that area? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's been so many great goalies that came out from uh, Montreal or just Quebec in general. You know, someone I always looked up to was Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, you know, Jose Theodore, uh, Marty Brother, Patrick Roy, and all those guys. You know, I was pretty fortunate to see them towards the end of their career and, you know, just, uh, they were all winners, you know, they're all winners and they're all gamers. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I was pretty fortunate to grow up and uh, see them in their prime. How about Marc-Andre Fleury? I mean, I know there's a lot of goaltender camps, clinics, coaches, you ever interact with him or been in the ice and train around him? Yeah, I've had the chance to, uh, we have the same agent and same uh, trainer. So for one summer, uh, we had the chance to uh, train a couple of days together and be on the ice together a couple of times. And uh, his compete level is off the chart. Uh, I think we all know that. And just the type of person he is, I think, uh, you know, there's no doubt and no questions in anyone's mind that he's one of the greatest guy uh, in the locker room or 
anywhere. So I think uh, for me, that's a good reminder that, you know, just, just if you're a good person, most of the times there's good things happening to you. Yeah. Isn't that refreshing to see a guy like that work so hard, win championships, but enjoy what he's doing so much. Yeah. I mean, you need to love what you're doing, especially, uh, you know, for how long he's been doing it. You can tell like he's, Every day, is, it feels like, I don't know, the excitement he has and the energy he brings, it feels like it's his first year he's in the league. And, uh, you, know, he's, uh, you know, he's huge for this game. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to, uh, to be uh, seeing him still have success at that age. Hey, I want to ask you, because you played junior in Montreal, right in your hometown, but one of your coaches was actually a coach now for the Blue Jackets, Pascal Vincent. What's that relationship like and, and how comforting is that for you to have a guy that you know and he and knows you so well on the bench here in the National Hockey League? Yeah, I th honestly, I think that was the first time I saw him since, uh, you know, junior. So it's pretty amazing to reconnect and kind of reminisce uh, on the the good old days in, uh, in Montreal. And I've Pascal is such a great um, uh I don't, I wouldn't say psychologist, but he's, he knows how guys feel in their head and he knows how to make guys uh, comfortable and how to uh, uh, put the message across. And um, he's, you know, it's something I've always learned from him is you never get too high, never get too low. And you, you kind of have to be even keel and that's the type of person he is. And, you know, he's very confident and very knowledgeable in what he does. And, uh, you know, it's been amazing to be uh, back with them. You talk about highs and lows. Let's get into how you feel today and, and, and what that experience was like last night. Because I, as a player, I know, like, that was an intense game. But for you as a goaltender, you had a lot of work. There was a lot of energy in the building. And you had to stay sharp every second. What was that like for you? Yeah, I think knowing that they had a tough loss in Montreal, I knew they were going to have a strong effort yesterday. And um, again, like I know I repeat myself a lot, but it was always about the next shot and, you know, taking a watch shot at a time. And um, sometimes I, you know, it's easy to think about the, the result at the end of the game, but I know if I don't stop the next puck, I, I won't get the result I want. So um, yeah, I mean, again, like I, they came with a push and, you know, they kept pressuring and we expected that. And, uh, you know, my job is to stop the puck. Either it's a hard save or, you know, a shot from the outside. It doesn't matter. I, I, I need to find a way. And, um, you know, I, I took some time yesterday to kind of let it sink in. And today is a new day. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to have a good practice and get ready for uh, this weekend. Was there a moment last night? I didn't watch you much, but after in the timeouts, do you interact with your teammates or are you a guy that stays in your complete zone in your own world? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of goalies like to go back to the bench and kind of, you know, chit chat with uh, the guys in between uh, TV timeouts. But I'm someone who likes to kind of like just skate around and kind of just stay in my zone. And uh, I, I obviously talk a lot on the ice. I try to communicate with my D's during plays as much as I can. And <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's just something I've done all you know, all my career is I, I never really went back to the bench and talked with the guys. I, I kind of keep it to myself. And, uh, you know, I, if we have something to address, uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk about it, but, 
you know, guys have been great to me. Like the communication, just, you know, playing the puck. Uh, I know exactly where guys are and they're talking to me. They're loud and they're clear and they're early calls. And uh, it makes it easier on me and easier on them. And uh, I know when it's a clean breakout, you know, it's uh, it's all talk. It's, you know how it is. And it opens up the game so much and makes things a lot easier. JF, the last thing that I want to ask you about is having your family here and especially having your young son being able to come to the game and, and see dad in his uniform and on the ice. And uh, I know, I think he's what, 19 months old. Yeah, he's right? 20 months. I said 19. My wife made sure she corrected me. <laughs> he's 20. He turned He actually just turned 20 months on the 17. So uh, yeah, he's uh, close enough. Yeah, close enough. Exactly. Close enough for dads, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but seriously, that that must mean a lot to you just to, to have them here. And, you know, you, you talked about the support of your teammates, but the support of your family. I mean, that is even more important because they're with you 24 hours a day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's uh, when you come home, uh, it's hard to kind of shut things off about hockey. But my wife's been great. And um, obviously having them here with me is pretty amazing. And um, again, like we're just trying to sink in the moment. Last time I was in the NHL was four years ago, and it's been a lot of grind and a lot of uh, hard work, but, you know, and that's what it takes to be here. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the situation is with Corpy and uh, Mersey, but, uh, you know, I'm taking it one day at a time and trying to make the best of it. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been great. Well, I don't know what that situation is with the injuries right now either, but one thing that I do know is uh, with this whole goaltending situation here, and, you know, there's been a lot of things rumored for a long time. One thing that is for certain is that you have firmly planted yourself in the mix here. Uh, you have, you've come up, you've done a great job. Uh, you've been a hard worker. You've been a great teammate. So no matter what happens here, uh, I know that you're going to be a part of it. And that must make you feel great that you've been able to earn that as we were talking about. Yeah, for sure. And again, like uh, that was the role they told me I would be in and, um, you know, come in and fill in if I have to. And um, I've prepared for this and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's a you know, it's a good feeling to be here and have some good games. And uh, but, you know, I, I it still doesn't make me uh, happy enough. I you know, you always want more as a hockey player. So, um, you know, I have to reset and think about the next games uh, coming up and uh, it's, you know, it's all it is. I'm going to keep working hard and uh, trying to help my teammates uh, get some wins. Well, as you uh, reset, enjoy yourself. It has been fun to watch you play. It's been fun to, to watch your team coalesce around you and, and just to watch you guys do what you've been able to do in uh, well, the past week or so. So it's been absolutely fun. Thank you for the time here today. We appreciate it and best of luck this weekend. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good one. That is Blue Jackets goaltender Jean-Francois Barube. Coming up next, we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge here on 97.1 The Fan. Getting ready to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge. Great to catch up with Jean-Francois Barube, Blue Jackets goaltender. Jody, you can appreciate the trials and tribulations of this guy. American Hockey League, National Hockey League has to wait four years for an opportunity to start an NHL game again. And now he started two in a row and he's gotten two wins. It's a great story, but more importantly, it's a great person who's created another opportunity for himself. Absolutely. I mean, 
what a what a positive guy. He's in the exact perfect mindset that he needs to be in as he's approaching wins, as he's he's so appreciative of where he's at. And you know, he didn't mention this, but if you think about it, the number of scouts that are at these games right now. And you look at goaltending in that position and how teams are banging their head off the wall, trying to find a goaltender that can hold down the fort. And the, the last, his last two performances have been, have been great. And, and, you know, in the back of his mind, he knows, I mean, and, and we talked about with him how he's going to be a part of this organization, but you know, there might be an opportunity for him somewhere else if he continues to play this way and be a solid net minder. And, and he understands that. I mean, that it's, it's one of those things as a pro athlete, you just want the opportunity. And when you do get that opportunity and then you have to, you, you, you get, you have to take a step back when you get it again, just like Gaunt's. I mean, he seems like he's hearing his comments um, post game last night, uh, how he's approaching his game, how he's approached the American hockey league going back to last year when he didn't want to be a part of the taxi squad because he thought his development would take a hit. So he went to Sweden and played and, you know, you can sense that these guys who are a little bit older have been there before the appreciation level and the determination, not just for the Blue Jackets, it's for their career. And, and maybe there's a scout in the building that could take them somewhere else. So I'm excited for Jeff Rube. I hope it continues. He was a great guest. It's funny he brought up Marc-Andre Fleury because, you know, there is something about, he, he reminds me a little bit of Pascal LeClaire. Remember, Pascal was very positive and he spoke very highly and he was very, he was a fun guy to be around, but Mark Andre Fleury even more uh, refreshing for him. So he seems to have a great balance mentality and, and I hope that, and it will serve him well. You know, with Mark Andre Fleury, one of the things that I remember was a number of years ago, he was still in Pittsburgh and Dana Heinze was the head equipment manager for the Penguins. And, and you and I both worked with Dana in Johnstown in the East coast hockey league a long, long time ago. And I remember Dana told me, because there were rumors about Fleury being moved out. And he said, when we lose Marc-Andre, we're going to lose a lot in this dressing room. And, and they did. I mean, um, you know, it's that personality. It is infectious in what it brings to the group. And I, I agree with you. I mean, he, is, he doesn't seem to be on that level, but he also hasn't spent as much time in the NHL as Marc-Andre Fleury has. But he's a guy that makes you feel very comfortable, and you can tell that he's just enjoying his time yeah it's a different dynamic it's not about him it's about the team and you know when you see a guy is so appreciative and, I, and again i'll go back to this time of year game 50 is a, a, in the books you know that's a refreshing reminder for everybody that's in there coaches trainers players us anyone that's around the team you know appreciation take care of your business do it today and if it's successful get back to that level to get back work, to work and get better for tomorrow and it's a, it, it's such a, an exciting part of professional sports. And there, there's a great personality or two in that locker room right now who's taking this energy to another level. All right, let's talk about the upcoming games the Blue Jackets have. They're hitting the road and uh, tomorrow, well, already on the road. Tomorrow they're going to be in Florida to take on the Panthers. Uh, they played the Panthers twice this year. They have lost in lopsided losses both times, especially the last time they were here in Florida. That was, uh, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, it was one of the, the worst losses of the year for this team, if not the worst. Uh, they were just, uh, they were battered and bruised in that one. So uh, you've got that one. It's going to be in front of a national audience on ESPN Plus. And uh, if you go back to the torts days in the one game at a time, this is a big game. 
Yeah. You know, it is. And the Blue Jackets are at a different spot today than they were three weeks ago, four weeks ago, when they saw the Florida Panthers, who are the second best team in the National Hockey League. Um, yeah. You know what? You just get back at and now you have now you have some confidence. Now you have some guys that are playing with confidence. Now you have a uh, a mentality going in to say, hey, let's let's try to, you know, this is a measuring stick again. So it's exciting. This is a team that now is, you know, they've found a way to get things on track. They feel good about their game. And I'm excited to see how this game goes. I'm going to be with you on radio. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And being around the team and remembering the past two games, one at home, one at away, uh, it'd be great to go down there and and uh, and beat Florida, who lost last night. They didn't expect to lose, but they uh, they got upset. I guess we'll call it an upset because they were on a quite a roll at home, lost to the Predators six four. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I can't wait to see uh, see how the Blue Jackets respond to this one. Yeah, and it'll be very similar to the Toronto game when you look at the number of weapons that they send out there. You know, with Toronto, you're always looking. You've got Matthews and Marner and Tavares. And every time you turn around, there's somebody dangerous on the ice. Morgan Riley on the back end. And and here, you know, Barkoff, Huberto having fantastic yeah. seasons. But e even the depth players that they have on this team. And I, I tell you what, you give Bill Zito, the former Blue Jackets assistant GM, who is now the general manager in Florida, give him a lot of credit. I mean, he didn't show up and the cupboard was bare by any means in Florida. He had some great players already. But the moves that he made – to supplement and put quality players around the good players that he had is really noticeable. Yeah. He's picked up some key pieces. Um, when you look at Reinhardt Bennett, two key guys to now, I mean, those are top, those are, he's got three of the top four picks from that draft where Barkov was there. Uh, Ekblad was number one, Barkov, Reinhardt. The only one they don't have is, um, Drysaddle out in Edmonton. He was, a, I think, he was the third pick. So Bennett, uh, Reinhardt, and Ekblad were three of the top four from that draft uh, for a reason. And they're slotted into different areas in this team. They've got Mackenzie Weger, who's doing good things. So, you know what? They're bought it. They're they're a different animal than the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I feel like they're bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled. Their goaltending's better. Uh, this is going to be a true test for the Blue Jackets right now. Yeah, no doubt it's going to be. But again, as you said. They are a different team than the last time they played them. So it looks like they're up for this test. You're going to find out. You know, Brad Larson likes to – he kind of deflects that whole measuring stick or, you know, see where you're at uh, when, you know, to compare yourself with the team that you're playing against. But I think in this four-game stretch, because after Florida, it's Carolina and Pittsburgh, uh, this is really where you get a chance to see what you're made of. Yeah, and it's part of the process, okay? You go on the road trip, you look back, and, you know – insiders and outsiders will say oh yeah buffalo montreal you know teams that are can't really find their way but wait a second you had columbus in that group for a while they came out 4-1 on the road trip they came home and stamped it with two nice wins and now they're going down to florida so yeah it's got to be their best game of the year i mean i really believe that it's got to be outstanding goaltending the defense has to continue and they got to have the mindset to go in and be like okay we can do this you know i thought in calgary they had that for the first period then the, a turnover made them pay and they know and last night there were still turnovers but shots were blocked shots were deflected goalie made the save i think in florida you got to be a little more careful in their building all right so that is tomorrow night the blue jackets and the panthers pregame coverage starts at 6 30 on the blue jackets radio network and again when it comes to tv that's going to be a national game on espn plus tomorrow night so jody and i will join you from um what the heck is that place called now Florida Live Arena. I don't even know what it's called. Anyway, 
we'll be in Sunrise, Florida, uh, with you at six thirty. <laughs> well, we'll be we'll, we'll be there at you from the beach. <laughs> yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll be we'll be in great form for that game tomorrow night. Once again, thanks to John Francois Barube, Blue Jackets goaltender, for being our guest tonight. Thanks to you for being here. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Inside Edge on ninety-seven point one, The Fan.